Welcome to The Indigenous Approach, a podcast where we examine the role of the nation's premier partnered irregular warfare force across the competition continuum, from cooperation to conflict and everything in between. In this episode, our HPW NCYC Master Sergeant Chris Copper sits down with the 1st Special Forces Command Headquarters and Headquarters Company 1st Sergeant, 1st Sergeant Nick Harmon. They discuss team dynamics, culture, and what new team sergeants can learn from their experiences. Good afternoon. Uh, it's good to be back. I'm sitting here with First Sergeant Nick Harmon, our uh, HAC First Sergeant here at First SFC. Uh, he's coming from Fifth Group. Great guy. Uh, we were sitting around talking yesterday, talking about team life and you know what's to come next and culture and this is a uh, good time of year with the E7 results uh, coming back and and a lot of guys right now are stepping out of that senior team guy role or uh, away from SWIC and whatever outside group jobs they've been doing to go back and take their ODAs as 18 Zulus operational detachment sergeants on ODAs across the regiment. And, you know, for those of you guys out there who have uh, been team sergeants, you can remember back to that time of your life where that is a, a, a pucker moment. Uh, it can be. And you're figuring out, you're getting, you're figuring out what comes next. You're getting all your, your stuff together and prepping. And so we wanted to try to put some dialogue. So without further ado, I want to introduce Nick and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, Chris, I appreciate it. No, I think it's, um, you know, definitely important topic and everything. Well, as we discussed before, you know, we have a lot of guys, you know, hitting us up, hitting up other 18 Zulus that have already done that team starting time, you know, trying to get that, that right answer of how to be successful. So um, for me, my story, I joined in uh, 2005 as an 18 X-ray. So talking about team culture, you know, being on a team as, a, as an X-ray uh, is definitely a unique experience. But I uh, graduated the course in 07, and this was prior to them changing the age requirement. So I got to my team as a 20-year-old E5, um, 18 Echo, didn't know anything about the Army, didn't know anything about SF. So did about five years on an ODA, couple deployments with them, did my B team time, did some battalion time, more ODA time. The DLI for a year and a half, did the basic Arabic course out there in Monterey, um, came back, and then I did three years as a team sergeant prior to coming out here. So now I'm doing two years out here at First SFC as the HHC First Sergeant. Wow, that's pretty cool. You know, you each have your own path that you forge, and just listening to you and putting it in perspective, you know, showing up to an ODA as an 18 Echo at 20 years old must have been quite an interesting Interesting environment. Huh? Yeah, no, it was great, man. You know, the uh, first time doing something as a Green Beret, you owe a case of beer. So my team sergeant told me, he was like, hey, go buy a case of beer. And I was like, uh, I can't, sergeant. He was like, what do you mean? It's like, I'm only 20. So uh, yeah, he kicked me out of the team room, um, which then was, uh, you know, it was the new 4th Battalion at 5th Group. So we were still standing that up. So it was a, uh, a room, actually, that we all shared. Our whole company was in one room. So I just kind of wandered the hallway for a couple minutes. I'm like, does he mean forever? Or like, can I go back in there? So um, yeah, let me back in eventually. And then a couple months later, I was able to start filling the fridge with beer. So, so you basically put you in the team room till you turn 21 Pretty or put, put you in the hallway till you turn That's 21. Right. Well, you know, so going into like the, the culture piece, I mean, right there at 20 years old, I wasn't even in the army yet. So, you know, who I am today, even as a, you know, NCO and SF guy is part of my culture that I had at 20, which is, you know, surfing actually in Hawaii at the time. So talking culture, uh, I think it was worth expounding on how that culture, that first team, 
set the conditions, you know, for you as a team sergeant. Yeah, so the um, I think the culture and the you know dynamics of that team were definitely different. You know, as a twenty year old, you know, up until twenty four, twenty five years old, versus being a team sergeant on the team. So when I first got there, you know, good guys, great experience. They're the ones you know that were there for the invasion. You know, two thousand one Afghanistan, two thousand three Iraq. So you know, twenty year old, you know, man, but still a kid at that point, looking at these guys like, holy shit, you know, how do I live up to this? So for me, it was uh, a lot of just trying to fit in. You know, I didn't know exactly what to do, but I was going to do it, you know, to the best of my ability. And those guys were great, you know, brought me up, you know, mentored me, uh, made sure that, you know, I was doing the right thing. But I thought I got super lucky. First team I was on uh, was a solid ODA, like great guys. The experience they had was great. Uh, like I said, the leadership and everything. And then just being close, you know, and that's one of the things a lot of guys will ask like, Hey, what's SF about? You know, what's uh, being on a team about? And it's, it's like having another family, you know, I can call any one of those guys at any point. Uh, especially the team I was a team sergeant on, and, you know, ask for anything and they could do the same thing. Yeah, the dynamic for the the first team, a little bit different. And then I'll get into, you know, team sergeant time a little bit later when we get yeah. to that. So that dynamic, so to, to understand the dynamic on your first team, this was uh, 2000 and... So 2007. I was in SF at that point. How long had your team sergeant at that point been on an ODA? So what they did for us, uh, they took, um, when they started the 4th Battalion, they took all of the, most of the senior E7s from 3rd Battalion and 5th Group and around 5th Group. Because they phased that 4th Battalion per, across the regiment. Like it wasn't like at one time. No, yeah, it wasn't everybody at the same time so uh, from what I remember. I think 5th phased theirs in earlier. I think we we're one of the first ones, yeah. So we started in 07. So my team sergeant, that was the first time being a team sergeant at that okay. point. And they were all E7s, just senior E7s um, that got team sergeant roles in 4th Battalion. So a lot of them, they ended up doing four years, five years as a team sergeant prior to leaving. But yeah, so 07, got there. 08, 4th Battalion became official. They officially stood it up. I want to say it was August uh, 2008, 4th Battalion, 5th Group. And then we didn't get our first deployment until January 09. Got it. So you got there like in a pre-red cycle. You got there still when they were getting credentialed to stand up and be like yeah. army operational, probably. Yep. So, uh, and actually our first deployment in 09 was attached to 3rd Battalion. So only three of our teams out of the six were able to go. Or four of the teams out of the six were able to deploy. Was one of your teams one of them? We did? were, yeah, yeah. So we were able to go to Iraq in uh, 2009, which was you know great first experience uh, as a junior member of ODA, and then they got their official first deployment as a battalion that following year, January 2010. Well, you know, and that right there just highlights because you know, once again we we wanted to just talk on this topic anyway, but it's important because of the the guys that are stepping into those team sergeant roles right now and that senior element on an ODA because that dynamic is what can affect the whole ODA and their success. Yeah, absolutely, right. And so just right there, you know, for those of you listening, you know, the company or the company was off cycle from the battalion. From you know, the company you're in was off cycle from the battalion because only four teams went with another battalion. So that offsets some dwell time when you get home. Like that, th there's a ripple effect. And so for just a team sergeant coming back or either being one of the two teams left behind, that right there in a sense throws things off. It's kind of, you know, not necessarily irrelevant, but it is a data point. You just try to take it in for your case, that, that culture, that early on impression of basically starting on a team that's basically still getting army credentialed, going through the wickets of that, then getting blessed off on to then get into your, uh, I don't know if you had a red, but at least your red, amber, green, if you will, to then go on downrange. And so that first experience was a lot of training that you had. 
Yeah, so for us, it wasn't, um, I think at the time, all we had was a full alpha company. And then they started piecemeal and Bravo company together. But we weren't even a full battalion from what I remember um, when those four teams left out with their battalion in 09, which was crazy, you know, because we had to go to PMT and the way PMTs used to be ran from what I remember um, was it's a tryout. You know, it's like, hey, just because you're going to this doesn't mean you're deploying. And two of those teams found that out, you know, unfortunately. This battalion commander and them, I guess, didn't see them ready to play at that time. So, yeah, they, they stayed back on that trip. Now, would you say that was due to proficiency or behavior outside the uh, operational environment? Um, no, I want to I say it was just, you know, tactical and technical proficiency. Yeah. Now, the only reason I ask is, you know, we were talking like ethics and whatnot, but, you know, that kind of blends into the, the realm. But, you know, talking to the PMT of yesteryear, it was... I think there was a, a full spectrum. And so you would be off site, off, you know, off of your home base. You know, you're not always in the field. So that is a factor, you know, on how well you're able to operate outside of work. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, so moving on from that early on culture, I, you know, just it sounds like you had good mentorship, got taught what right looked like. So would that be operationally and outside of work? Yeah. 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 And that was something that I brought. I feel like I brought to my team or tried to bring to my team as a team sergeant because we were so close on my first ODA. Um, and it just made it made work even better. Right. You know, it didn't really feel like it. You go in there, you're happy to be there, you know, hanging out with the guys, doing cool things, doing good training, you know, doing great deployments. So that was something that I feel it's huge, you know, and it's if you treat it like a nine to five job, the guys are going to see that they're going to treat it the same way. And it just doesn't make for a great dynamic. And then when you're in situations like a deployment, you know, where you're living together in tight places for six months, like you, you need to genuinely like those people. You can, you can have a civilian job, you know, or a job somewhere else in the army where you go nine to five and Hey, I could tolerate that person next to me because at the end of the day, I'm leaving and I'm going home, you know, on a deployment, you're still there at the end of the training day, into that mission or whatever the case is, like you're literally living with them, you know, for six months, seven months, whatever it is. So I thought it was really important that you actually, you know, you get to know them personally uh, as well as professionally, and you help them grow on both ends. Yeah, I agree. It's a shame because I can look back and see where I've either witnessed and even been a part of, you know, the growth and the productive growth and then sometimes even the negative growth of of, of a junior team member because you just, it's they're impressionable. And, you know, I'm not talking about x-rays. I mean, even myself, I came in as a you know hard-striped E6, had been a squad leader, was not an x-ray, and you're still impressionable you know, to your peers. And, you know, it's it's so important to have a good, strong mentor that is going to take you in and show you what right looks like, both on and off the battlefield, both on and off, you know, uh, training deployment and, you know, in your daily life and the decisions you make. I mean, we see it, you see it more so than I do. I hear hear about it here and there, but the, you know, the, the issues across the, the enterprise, that, that come up. And I would say 99% of the time, those were some bad decisions that either manifested over a period of time to make even worse or events that happened within 24 hours that were life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, um, I mean, when, when SF guys mess up and we mess up big, um, unfortunately, but there are some, I think, outlier events that are the extreme, you know, that the command will stop and look at and be like, hey, how did we get there? But then some of the other small stuff, you know, I think kind of like what you guys were talking about on the last podcast uh, about that moral disengagement, you know, where it's it's kind of phased in. I don't think, you know, somebody goes to sleep one day, you know, solid moral and ethical, you know, character and then wake up the next morning and all of a sudden they're like, you know what, I'm going to do bad things. Mm -hmm. I think it's slowly, you know, justifying those reasons of why they're doing something, you know, whether it's, hey, I need to accomplish the mission. 
um, I could, I need to meet this training objective or whatever it is, you know, and they start blurring those lines a little bit and then eventually it becomes common practice, you know? So I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday and one of the things I think it's, uh, it's definitely not causation, you know, it's not, Hey, because of this, we do this, but it's definitely a correlation in my mind, you know, and it's at every level, you know, when it comes to leadership, uh, ODA company, battalion, all the way up group brigade leaders need to be able to, to accept failure. Right. And by that, it's what I mean is like, we're not always going to be able to achieve the mission. We're going to try our hardest for sure. But if you don't want us blurring those lines, you know, and, and working past that gray area, you need to be able to sit there and be like, Hey, this isn't feasible, you know, at this time. Uh, you know, there's, there's going to be somebody listening to this that's going to start hyperventilating. Yeah, exactly. After, after hearing you say that, hey, look, for those of you out there that may be doing that, relax. I think we can expound a little bit more on yeah. this to calm, calm you down. Yeah. So going into it, right? Like we have, Army has a culture where it's like, hey, failure is not an option. Achieve the mission. Figure it out. Green Beret that shit, right? I'm pretty sure I've said that before as well. Um, so a lot of times there's either that, you know, whether it's, outside pressure or the perceived pressure, you know, that we're kind of mm -hmm. talking about, um, that we put on ourselves of like, Hey man, I cannot fail. I got to do this, you know? Um, so, so they do it and you know, they're very goal oriented at the end. It was like, Hey man, do what you got to do to accomplish the mission. And I think that is army as a whole. And then, you know, it's multiplied when you come into to the soft regiment, but we need to be able to tell our guys like, Hey man, listen, you know, if you're not able to accomplish this, let us know. Right. We'll figure it out because we want them right to make sure they're doing everything morally, ethically, legally um, to accomplish that mission. Right. And if we're putting pressure on them, this undue pressure, you know, to, to step outside, you know, we need to realize that. So just to be clear, you know, I, I understand and I believe I understand what you're saying. And I want to be clear for anybody else out there, you know, because I look at this, I hear this. This is coming from a guy, you know, we've talked, I mean, you know. For all intensive purposes, you know, you will be a sergeant major within this regiment. Um, so maybe after this podcast, maybe not. Yeah, right. Now, you, you know, and, and, and you're on the you're on the the right track. And what I'm hearing you say is, you know, the leader basically using his power, you know, their their responsibility, their power, their their platform to enable the guys at the ODA level, at the operational level, to get the job done by communicating transparently, honestly, and, and, and bluntly, if need be, what is needed to cut through some of the bureaucratic red tape or the, 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 the innate, the hindrance that is causing, you know, flash to bang. That, that's, that, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I think, I think it just needs to be, you know, because a lot of times for us, right. It's commander's intent. Right. Or team sergeant will give you marching orders and you're like, cool, got it. And we're fortunate to work in an organization where the guys are going to, they're going to get the job done. Right. Figure it out. They're going to figure it out. You know, but what we need to do as a culture, whether, you know, across the regiment and not saying it's not happening, but, you know, there's definitely some teams where it's probably not. Um, we just need to let our guys know, hey, man, feel comfortable to come to us with a problem. When you hit that roadblock, you know, I don't expect you to step outside, you know, and, and you know, degrade your own moral integrity, you know, and our ethical standards and our values, you know, um, to accomplish this mission. If you're legit hitting roadblocks, come to us, let us know, you know, we'll work on this together. Um, but that's one of the things they think, you know, sometimes people, um, either they feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to fail. This is how they're going to, you know, see me. They're going to see me as incompetent. 
Um, they're going to judge our team on this. Hey, our team wasn't able to accomplish the mission, you know, so maybe now we're not going to get this next deployment. You know, that overall professionalism of your team, you know, starts degrading, you know, and um, in, in our minds, right? Because we always want to be the best. You know, we want to, we always want to accomplish the mission. We're type A personalities, right? Right. Where well, you want to succeed. You don't want to, you don't, whether you're an individual on a team or, you know, you're a collective as the team, you don't want to come across as incompetent. Yeah. And that I can't do it. Yeah. So yeah, bottom. And that, like I said, I, I'm not saying that that's what commands are doing. Commands are pressuring people to get results no matter what. You right. know, that's not the case. Um, it's just you got to know as a leader what your guys are thinking and what their personalities are and that they're going to do whatever it takes to accomplish that mission. So as long as you openly, you know, communicate to them in the very beginning, like, listen, man, I, of course, I want you to do, you know, as best as you can try to accomplish this mission. But, you know, don't be hesitant to come with us with a problem. You know, don't be hesitant to talk to us about a roadblock or whatever the case, and then we'll work together to figure this out to get to the other side. Right. And that's team to company, battalion, and on up. You know, that, of course. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, damn, damn TBI, because he said something, and I was, I had my note pen or a notepad and paper to write it down. You take I those did. notes. I know I didn't. Um, but I think it was talking about, I think it was our conversation. We were talking about, you know, competence versus ethical. You know, and, you know, whether it was better to be ethical or competent, you know, and a way to lead into the ethical stuff as well, or the ethical and versus competence and what that means. Because, you know, the whole culture of, you know, one team to another down the hall versus the you know, company, battalion groups, so on and so forth. Um, now, to that question, let's dive into that. What would you say to that hypothetical question we got asked by... Uh, Mitchell Sard, what's worse to be viewed as unethical or incompetent on ODA? No, it's a good question. Um, and I know when he first asked that, I kind of sat there for a little bit trying to think about it. You know, um, I think it depends on, on the level, right? And perspective. I think perspective matters a lot on that question. So when you're looking from a command perspective down, it's like, hey, man, I, I could train somebody who's incompetent, right? Um, I could teach them the skills that they need, hopefully, um, or we can find a job for them somewhere else. Uh, but you don't want any of your people being unethical or immoral, right? Um, if you're that person on the team, right? You're the lowest, you're the lowest dude on the totem pole. Um, and you got to ask that question. That person does not want to come off brand new to a team after two years of training viewed as incompetent, right? So I think it matters who you are. Who's, who's getting asked that question, um, you know, kind of where they're at in their career and everything as well. Um, but yeah, definitely command perspective. Uh, I would say I would rather have a incompetent person that I can, you know, identify those strengths, identify those weaknesses and help develop that person. Or, hey, it's time for you to move on, you know, take a take a hard look at yourself in the mirror and realize this isn't cut out for you. Um, but yeah, definitely the, the low guy on the team, I, I would say that's how they're probably viewing it as they would they do not want to be viewed as incompetent. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think when you're looking at that, that those two words, you know, when you, when I hear the uh, incompetence, I think of that guy that can't put his shoes on the right way that, you know, forgets the range box going to the range or, you know, picking MOS. I mean, you can think of like the most incompetent thing you've seen, right? Forgot and the then, battery for the radios. Right. Right. You know, or the unethic, you know, the unethical behavior like the, you know, the money, guns, booze, you know, women, drugs, and, and, and whatever else. Now, let's dial that down to the blurred lines to like the 
you know, I think culture and, uh, you know, the, the PG versions of that, that's where it can get, I think, a, a hard to answer because, you know, to your point, that lowest guy, I mean, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And, you know, we, there are some loose on the rails elements within just across the board. I mean, across all of the soft communities, across the DOD, we've seen it, seen it in the news headlines. That's where that gets tricky because it relies on, you know, a guy being that, that standard bearer, you know, and I think that's, I think that's what you're getting. I think that's what, you know, you're, you're getting out based off of your experience coming into group at 20 years old, coming onto your team and you're able to get that foundation that helped you to be able to set the standard for the guys on the ODA to and, and foster that environment so that legacy continues on where the culture and the conditions are set so the ethics match. So it can be balanced on what, you know, that ethics look like outside the standard, duh, eth, you know, good ethics versus bad ethics. And then what the competency level looks like for that team. And we were talking like, you know, mission, like for competence, you know, people always say, oh, he's going to be physically fit. Looks, you know, uh, runs a 300 PT test, you know, shoots expert, uh, you know, burns down the range, perfect at his job. But we all know that's not always the case. So, you know, where we can moderate that competence versus mission. You know, because that's for those out there who are becoming a team smart, you've got to be able to step outside of that senior 18, whatever, with your standard that is way up here. And now look at your ODA and determine how to metric that based off of what you're going to do, what you got and where you're at. Yeah. And I think the, uh, you know, some unsolicited advice to future team sergeants is, um, you know, setting those standards right off the bat. You know, so if, if any of my old teammates listen to this, I gave them a uh, 10 page initial counseling and uh, I sent it to them, you know, about a week in advance. I'm like, hey, read this, right? Digest it, come up with questions um, and then schedule a time to sit down with every one of them. And we talked over the whole thing, you know, whether they want to sit in there for 30 minutes or they want to sit in there for three hours. I was like, this is your time, right? Um, but I think what was important about that is when they left the room, they knew where I stood on everything. Right. I covered it all. Hey, lying, cheating, stealing. Like for me, no goes. Um, if this happens, this is what's going to happen to you. Right. Um, I think trying to be a leader, you know, a year into it and say, no, nah, man, hey, you've been getting away with that for this time, but I really don't like that. Uh, you need to change your ways. You know, trying to teach that old dog new tricks uh, at that point's a little late. So I think, you know, culture starts with with the team leadership and really the team sergeant. If I'm going to be honest, right? Um, so I think starting off, hey, man, this this is my left and right limits on whatever the topic is. This is what I believe in. Um, this is what I expect out of you, right? And then you give them time too, to be like, hey, how can I help you, right? Because that, that's what we're, we're ultimately there for. You know, we want to develop these guys, mentor these guys, you know, to be future team sergeants, future, future sergeant majors, you know, CSMs. Um, so that part's important. But I think if you don't start off with a, with a good foundation, um, and just laying out those left and right limits, you know, they're, they're not going to know and they're going to test it, you know, just like your kids do. They're going to, they're going to keep testing until you, uh, you let them know where you, right. where you stand on Peeling that down back so, a little further. Uh, it, it starts with the leadership. When would you give that to the guy? So you're the new team starting coming in and you've developed, you know, you've got, you've called your, you know, peers who are either doing team start 
duties right now or have been there and done that and are, are moved on, you know, or whatever, you're, you get your mentor and you're, you're getting their, you know, counselings, you're getting their, their administrative stuff and tailoring it to yourself. And you got all these great grand ideas to come into being a team sergeant. Come in. Is that day one? Is that week one? Is that week six? No, absolutely not day one. Yeah. So the way I did it, um, just w- within a new job, right? Kind of go in there and assess. So I had a you know transition period doing a handover with the team start before me. Um, so I was able to to see the team, right? And how they're they're still prepping for ranges, still prepping for training, individual schools, whatever it was, you know. So I was able to sit there, kind of see that dynamic that they already had on the team. Um and kind of come up with my own assessment, you know, of them at that time. And I want to say it was probably about a month in I started the individual counselings, right? Um, maybe if we had a trip coming up sooner, sooner, or we're about to push out the door, I probably would have done it a little earlier. Um, but for us, we're you know still on that training cycle, so um, I think I was about thirty days in, and then started setting them down one on one, you know, giving them that opportunity, you know, to to talk, get to know me a little bit better, um, and then you know uh, I get to know them a little bit better, right? Hey, what what are your goals? You know, what are your professional goals? What are your personal goals? You know, how can I help you achieve those? What do you need? You know, um, is all part of it. You know, you, you don't want to just sit there and say, hey, I'm going to crush you if you do this. I'm going to crush you if you do this. I'm going to crush you. you have any questions? You know, um, sit there and have an honest conversation with them. You know, like I said, get to know them is, is really important. Right. Do, you know, manage the talking based off the individual. Maybe you're doing more, maybe you're doing less. Yeah. Depends on, you know, and it sounds like you're saying, you know, you, you came in and you're, you're assessing you know, daily operations, going to the range, you know, team training, administrative stuff they're doing, you know, just their, the way that they operate PTU. But I would also imagine you are uh, observing, you know, the the age of the team. You know, is it a young team, old team, mixed? You know, because that do, that does play a factor, right? You know, I think you were mentioning you were mentioning that, you know, and that made me think of a, a friend of mine who took a, took his team about eight months ago, and he had a very young, very young team. And, you know, he has really enjoyed having that young team because it's, in a sense, been somewhat of a, a, a you know, a blank slate, you know, a, a blank canvas, yeah. you know, um, whereas coming into a, a senior team, there can be some challenges there. You know, you may have your, you may have some shadow, shadow parliament oh, yeah. within yeah. that team. Yeah, you got to squash that, uh, that uprising down a little bit, that insurgency. So you said about a month, you know, I had some good mentorship. It was not prior to, I wish it would have been prior to, but you know, it was after the fact and, um, you know, uh, uh, it was a Sergeant major, uh, and he, he had said, you know, after about six weeks of you being on that team, you own that shit. You know, you, if there's some bad habits that you walked into, you've got six weeks buffered, you know, of, of, of understanding from, you know, the next level up to, you know, do what you need to do to fix it. But after six weeks, Clearly, you decided to own that. And, um, you know, I thought that was a pretty, pretty, pretty solid and profound statement. You have to. Yeah. So I um, I actually took the team as a non-promotable E7, right? So I had a couple guys on there um, that were senior to me as far as time and uh, service. Um, time at group, I had them, you know, beat. But uh, yeah, time and service, I had some, some people that had more time in. Um, but yeah, you got to own it. You know, Hey, if you're going to put me in this position, own the position, whatever it is, you know, I got, you know, I did battalion op sergeant time as an E7 as well. Um, so, you know, you're going there talking to E9s, uh, CSMs and everything. And, you know, you own it. You know, I, I had a conversation one time where kind of got into it with, uh, with one of the company star majors and they're like, Hey, who made this decision? I was like, well, I did. And then 
had to go talk to battalion CSM and I was like, hey, CSM, you're going to put me in this position. I'm going to do this job. You know, if you don't want me making these decisions, like don't put me in this position, right? Um, so it's the same thing as taking a team, like own it. Whether you're an E7, E7P, you already pinned E8, it's your team, take it, run with it, right? Shape it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely important that you do it. And like I said, you got, you got to do it initially, whether it's 30 days, you know, six weeks, whatever it is, you, you got to lay it out there for them. Um, I got lucky with it. So I had a, at a senior team, which like I said, had its challenges, some of it. Um, but for the most part, I could be like, Hey guys, this is what I want to do. I want to do some type of maneuver training. I want to do some type of whatever the case, I want to incorporate this, this, and this, and this. And, um, they're kind of fire and forget though. I got it. Cool. When do you want to do it? That's it. Tell them that they knock it out. Um, so I think it's important, you know, for these guys that are taking teams, it's like, yeah, you need to make that assessment. You need to see, Hey, is my team experienced or do I have new guys? Right. I think if I had a team full of x-rays, which, which I was on for the most part, when I first got to group, you know, I would have probably taken them a little more and being like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is kind of how we're doing it. Right. And you gotta, you gotta teach them, you know, army, you gotta teach them SF, you know, at the same time. So, um, but yeah, that, that all comes down to the leadership that comes down to that team sergeant and making that assessment of like, Hey, how, how do I need to engage with these guys? How often do I need to engage with them? Um, or can I just give them guidance and, and they execute? You know, and that's, those are good points for those, for talking about the guys on the team. But here's a, here's a, here's an aspect. You have your warrant or captain or both. That's another factor, you know, for, you know, a team sergeant coming in and, and falling in because that is your first time essentially ever being partnered with, you know, a commissioned officer or a warrant. Yeah, it is. Yep. And there, there, you know, there can be some, some friction points, you know, depending on whether, uh, you know, is a brand new coming in versus, you know, has been there for a year and a half and, you know, is, is, is maybe at the near the end of his, his, t uh, team time. You got anything to expound there? Yeah, I do. So, um, I think the kind of, what I've been seeing a lot since I've been talking is I've been saying I've been getting lucky. seems like I've been getting lucky my whole career, but um, I got lucky when I first got to my first team uh, as a team sergeant because I had the best team leader uh, in the battalion. You know, Marty Palmer, you're great. Um, shout out. Shout Marty. out. Shout out, Marty Palmer. Um, he ended up getting out. He's doing great things in the civilian world now, uh, but great guy, right? And even though I was, you know, SF at that point for a lot of years, um, over a decade, you know, I, I still sat there and I'm like, Hey man, this is his team. And that is, um, a lot of advice I give to, to new team leaders is like, listen, you know, go in there. You're the captain, you're the detachment commander. It is your team. However, listen to your team sergeant, listen to your senior people, right? Cause if you go in there and you just start trying to change everything, um, it's probably not going to work out too well. Right. And your team sergeant, um, should be building you up, right? You, you should be putting that officer, you know, in positions where he's going to be successful to make the team successful. Right. So fast forward, um, I had a different experience with my next team leader. Um, not going to get into all of it. Uh, however, definitely a different It'd experience. <laughs> yeah, it, would, it would be fun. And, uh, for, for my guys that are uh, listening, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely night and day between the two, right? So with that being said, um, they're still a soldier, right? At the end of the day, you know, we kind of had that, that heart to heart conversation with him and we we're like, Hey, this is what's happening. So it was me and the warrant together, right? On the same page. And we we're like, this is what we're seeing. This is what's happening. This is how it's affecting the team. Um, and it needs to change, right? Um, 
So got a little bit better. Um, thank God I had a, I had a very experienced team because we're able to accomplish the mission and do things, you know, without him. Um, but I don't know how, how it would have been if I had a team, you know, of young guys or, or x-rays or whatever the case, but, um, with all that being said, you know, the important thing for that top three or, you know, your top four, if you're counting your Fox in there, um, is to, to be united, you know, just, just like, uh, parents, right. Mom and dad, you be united in your message in front of your children. Right. Um, so we could disagree on things, you know, as long as we leave that room and we're like, Hey, this is what's going to happen. And that's the united front that we present to the team. That's what's important. Right. Um, cause if you sit there as a team leader and you start talking, you know, about the team sergeant behind his back to the guys or vice versa, you know, team sergeant talking about the team leader, um, that just starts crushing that dynamic, right. And that, that trust and everything that you're trying to build on that team. Um, so for the, those two, especially got, got to be on the same page in front of the men, you know, walk out of the room as a united front, you know, make that decision. So for those of you out there listening, you know, it's, it's, it seems delicate, right? It seems delicate, the ODA. Dance, man, yeah. And, you know, it, it is, resi- I think there is resilience. I mean, there, you know, cause you can only skin a cat so many ways, you know, up, back, front, down, you know, side to side, but at the end of the day, it's been tried, you know, it's happened, you know, and, and resiliency, I think is the, a big one is, is just continue to stay, I don't, I don't like the word stay in your lane, but make sure that you're focused on what's in your lane. Be aware of your left and right, you know, and and persevere because it's not always going to be perfect, you know, and try to understand the why uh, and the who, you know, of the situation within that dynamic of the team because what works on one team would crush the next team down the hallway, exactly. you know, and there's no real science to how teams are manned. You know, it's not, it, it'd be nice if there was, and maybe one day we'll get there through you know, different, you know, personality testing and what have you, but, you know, we're a large organization, but it's important. That's why I think communication, flat comms up, down, left, right, and, um, and a plan, I guess, you, you know, plan, if you, you fail to plan, plan to fail, you know, have a plan going in, but be adaptable and flexible. That's what it was yesterday. Yeah, adaptable and adaptability, and f- exactly. Yeah. But what does that what does that really mean? That was something we were talking about. What does adaptability and flexibility really mean? Yeah, adaptability, adaptability flexibility, or soft attribute. Well, that's what I know. When you asked me, it was like, hey, you know, I, for me, kind of the example I just gave was like, hey, I had experienced people, so I was able to do things one way, um, and then if I did not you know, making that assessment and being able to tailor and change the way that I lead them, you know, the the way we do training, um, you know, how we do admin stuff or whatever the case, but yeah, teams, you know, people ask what it's like, Hey, what is it like being an SF? What's team culture like? What's team dynamic like? And it, it's different all the way, you know, one team, you can be in the same company, you know, same group, same battalion, same company, and it's completely different and doesn't mean it's bad. You just got to figure out as a leader, hey, does this dynamic work for my team? Does this work for the mission that we're going after, right? So you can all be successful. You know, mine, you know, I'm a super personal uh, person. I walk around all the time. I talk to people. Um, kind of same thing I did on the team, same thing I did in battalion, you know, constantly going in and out of the S shops, you know, just make sure people are good or whatever. Um, and other teams, you know, don't do that or other team sergeants don't. You know, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be good or not going to be successful. They just know, hey, this is the pulse of my team. This is how my team and the personalities on my team react. So this is the leader I need to be, you know, in order to be successful. 
So I think to me, that's, that's the kind of, you know, adaptability and flexibility you need to have as a team sergeant. And it is, yeah, it's a dance and I'm, I'm, uh, surprised I made it out of it. Um, somewhat successful because I can't dance. So you can play the guitar, play guitar. A little I'm pretty bit. sure you, you know, will beat that ass in chess too. Right. Did you win the chess game before this, that you were yeah, playing with so. a guy I heard checkmate when I left? Yeah. So the, uh, no, I did. Yeah. So over here at first SFC in the headquarters or HHC, I have, um, it's all the, the young soldiers. If they want to play me in a chess game and they win, then we'll figure out a three day weekend for them. Just a three, not a four. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Come on, top. Yeah, yeah. They're going to get the one ringer that comes in and just crushes me, and the, we're never going to see that. Then he spins for you. <laughs> He's like, I'm taking the next uh, six months off. We'll see you later. But anyway, going back to that flexibility, adaptability, you know, something else, you know, you talk, because you talk mission, understanding like the mission goal. I wish I would have had the foresight to look at the patients to evaluate my team and be the team smart they needed as that senior, you know, that senior NCO on the, on the detachment. That's, I think what's expected. And, you know, you, that's that, uh, that's that initial adaptability and flexibility and then being able to roll with the flow when it comes to, you know, the training and operational cycle um, and then understand how to man your guys. But it starts off with understanding. I think what, what I'm hearing you say without coordinating this co-aligns with what I've come to the own, my own conclusion of where I think I could have done better was, understanding who my guys were to then be that NCO they needed. Yeah. You got to look at the plan, you know, that, cause like you said, you're going to have this great idea, you know, you're going to be super motivated. You're like, Hey man, I got a team. I'm going to run with this. I'm going to do great things. Um, and your intent's good. You're, you're not yeah, necessarily yeah. doing it for yourself. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to do great things for these guys yeah. so they can succeed. Like, but that, that's what you got to look at. You got to look at, Hey, you know, I'm here for two years. If you get lucky, maybe three years, um, whatever it is now. Uh, but you got to look at, Hey, wh where does the team need to go? How can I get them there? Because we're, we're there for two years and then we're out, right? And those guys have to be on that team five years, six years, you know, seven if they get lucky. Um, some guys back in the day, nine years, 10 years on ODA, which is crazy. Um, That's why they called him a team daddy. That's right. But yeah, you got you to gotta see where that, where that team needs to go and, and you know, kind of tailor your expectations a little bit, right, of, of what you want to achieve, you know, versus, you know, hey, no shit, this is what the guys need. This is what the guys need. This is what the team needs for longevity, you know, versus, you know, just getting your two years in and having the best two years you can have. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, I had a, uh, one of my last company, Star majors, man, he, he was great. And it's funny. And I always say it too. I'm like, man, if I could say this guy's great, um, I mean it. And people know I mean it because, you know, we didn't see eye to eye a couple of times. Um, so, you know, I counseled a couple of times, a little verbal counseling, you know, on deployments and, um, you know, afterwards, you know, I can kind of see from his perspective, you know, of what he was saying and some of the stuff that he would say, um, was, you know, never, never stop eating humble pie. You know, he's like, cause being a leader can make you a hypocrite. And it's, it's one of the things that I try to remember, you know, throughout is like, Hey, what did I hate as an E5 on a team? What did I hate as an E6 on a team? You know, as a senior seven on a team, what did I hate? Don't do that as a team sergeant. You have the power, you're in the position, you know, to, to mold those guys, mold that team, build that culture, that dynamic on the team the way you want to. So what's the excuse? Why are you keeping it the same way it was? Or why are you reverting back to what previous team sergeants or previous seniors did, you know? Um, so that's one of the things that, that, uh, you really got to watch out for. Group think like the, where the, the element, the, the entire team comes together and. No. So where it's like, Hey, I might have a certain feeling on something. However, you said something 
and I'm not really going to voice my opinion. A couple other people agree with you, so I'm just going to go with the flow, mm. right? Um, yeah, so I think so. Group group think happens, you know, and I think that's up to the leadership and a way to combat that is kind of like I was talking about before is is being open with your guys and saying, hey man, come come to me if there's a problem. Let me know. And one of the things I talked about in my counseling with the guys is, you know, you have something to offer. Like, I don't care if you're the 18X right off the streets, you have a different way of looking at things, right? We've been doing something for 10, 15, 20 years a certain way. Um, and you you have a fresh perspective. So never be afraid to, to raise your hand and say, hey, what about this? And I had a guy um, at an E6 who, you know, deployed with us on one of the last trips I went to Iraq. And he was running a partner force. You know, he was the U.S. face, uh, to that partner force, to that commander every single day. And he crushed it. You know, I didn't need to have that senior E7 doing it. He was a competent guy that was able to do it. Um, you know, and he wasn't afraid to say, hey, what about this? What about trying this, right? But I think um, the important part is as a leader is be open and be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm willing to to uh, to talk about whatever. I'm willing to fill the questions. Hey, throw some ideas out there. Let's brainstorm, right? It does come down to the culture of the team because you've seen it. We've all seen it show up, you're the new guy, basically shut up in color, sit over there. And, you know, I think there's a fine line that from just, hey, oh, welcome to the team here. Swing by the Charlie and get your, you know, team shirt and, you know, and just you're there. You you got to earn your seat at the table. But allowing someone to do that is giving them the ability to Add to the, the, the solution, add to the conversation. I, I have a guy, right? Not naming names because they're still in. Great dude. I loved everybody on my team. Um, but yeah, did a couple of them have it a little harder than others? Yes. Uh, however, um, he was never afraid to, to say things and say, hey, what about this? A lot of times we'd laugh and be like, the horrible idea, you know. But he knew that, you know, we weren't being serious about it and that he was never fearful of, you know, bringing it up or talking or discussing anything. Because I tell the guys, I'm like, listen, I'll make a decision. All day long, I'll make a decision. Doesn't mean it's the right one, right? So that's where you guys come into play. And we're, we're a team. It's a team effort. You know, as cliche as that sounds, it's like we sit there, let's brainstorm this, let's come up with the best plan, and then let's execute it, right, to the best of our ability. Um, but that takes everybody in there, you know, because I've been doing something a certain way for a certain amount of time. Doesn't mean it's it's the right way, you know, necessarily. So... I think to kind of dovetail off of that, one of the things that, you know, I want to talk about too, part of the leadership, what I told my senior guys on the team, and this is important for the, the new team sergeants to, and team leaders, you know, to assess and identify who those people are on the team. Um, but everybody thinks leadership. They're like, hey, you got a team leader, you got a team sergeant, you got a warrant, you know, and then depending on what you're doing, maybe your Fox is your, you know, your assistant 18 Zulu on split teams. Um, and they're like, that's the leadership of the team. Um, doctrinally, yeah, it's true. You know, but there's informal leadership too. And I, I would tell my senior guys all the time, it's like, listen, you know, your juniors look up to you. That brand new guy on the team, they look up to you. They, they look at what you do, right? Um, they emulate you. You know, they will go to that senior person before they come to me as a team sergeant, you know, to ask questions, you know, uh, look for guidance, look for mentorship and everything. So one of the discussions I would have with them is like, hey, man, you know, you guys are informal leaders. You know, don't just because you're not the Zulu on the team doesn't mean that you can't affect the culture and the dynamic of this team, Right. Um, so I think that's important, you know, for all those, those senior sevens out there. It's like you, you still need to be, um, you know, helping influence, shaping, mentoring, right? Grooming these guys and how that team is. Quite frankly, I mean, they might be the informal leadership with, you know, the, the when this, I think that what you're saying, but they are probably the most influential yeah, of course. leaders because 
you know, as you said, team start, you know, two years, three years, but the, you know, that senior, he's could very well have been with them for four or five. I mean, you know, and a hundred percent, they, 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 they are massive impacts on, uh, and someone else's a junior to them's career, whether it's positive, negative, whether they stay in and reenlist or get out, yeah. you know, they have so much, so much responsibility and power, um, in the standpoint of, of, of productivity for that team. You know, with the T-Sec, because I know we're starting to kind of close to our hour, uh, you know, right now, and I'm interested to hear because I have some friends across the regiment that are going through their respective groups, the T-SAP, the Team Sergeant Assessment and Prep. And, you know, it's been an initiative that was started last year. Uh, you know, the, the design of it is, is, is really cool. And the beta tests were, were phenomenal because it really uh, gave guys the opportunity you know, to do this assessment and prep program for Team Sergeant. And it was you know, funny to see every single, at every single group, the guys going into it and probably even the command have this, you know, somewhat, I'd say, negative uh, thought on it. And then at the end to see the results, it, it was real, well received. No, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, self-awareness is, is huge. You know, just like you identify the members of your team, their strengths and their weaknesses and how they complement each other. It's the same thing. Hey, how can their strengths complement my weaknesses? Hey, what do I need to work on? So yeah, I'm excited to see the outcome of that. If there is some things, if you could reflect back on where you completely failed as a, as a leader, as a team sergeant, first sergeant, just whatever, what, what is it? Um, no. So yeah, I, I continue to fail, right? I'm not going to uh, incriminate myself. Um, however, one of the ways that I tried to lead the team um, was, you know, being open with the guys and, you know, like I said, having them be comfortable enough to come to me with any issues. And unfortunately, um, we had an incident on our team where one of the members ended up getting trapped. And to me, I felt as a failure, I felt, a, I felt, like a failure as a team sergeant because he didn't come to me with that problem, right? So you know, it's kind of like being a father and having a kid and your kid doesn't feel like he can come and talk to you about something, you know? So um, for me, that, that was one of the points where I'm like, man, I thought I was doing great. You know, I thought I had a good relationship and rapport with all these guys, you know, everybody across the team. And I was obviously missing something, you know? And that was probably, that was probably one of my bigger letdowns. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said, we're, we're here for the people, right? We're here for the guys on the team and we want to better them in every aspect of their life. So the, the fact that he couldn't come to me or he felt like he couldn't come to me was, you know, kind of made me, you know, stop and, and take a look in of like, hey, what can I do better? Did you get that answer? So, yeah, I asked and um, I think, you know, what, what the team kind of said was, you know, they, they didn't want to disappoint dad, right? That was kind of the approach that I had on the team. Um, which is good, right? Because they're not doing things out of fear. I think anybody, any leader who's trying to lead out of fear is, you know, it's not sustainable. It's not the right way to do it, you know? Um, so I, I do like the dis the disappointed dad approach, you know, where, hey, I don't want to let dad down, you know, but it was, I guess, to the point where like, he didn't want to let me down. Right. So he felt like he couldn't come talk to me about it. And I don't know if we'd be able to save his career or not, you know, but it was, it was something I would definitely, you know, be willing to try. Probably was something that after the fact, at least on your end and for those that were still remaining, you know, you were able to come down maybe closer back into their reality. It was okay to let dad down. It was okay. You know, just as long as, you know, it's more, it's more of a letdown the fact of when the, when it happens than if you would have just told exactly, me. Exactly. Right. Cause things don't get better with time. So.
Well, with that, I do want to give you a compliment. I, you know, for a first sergeant, you've got some amazing hair Thanks. going on. I think that that's a sustain as you continue on up the chain. Don't let that go. It will definitely be a motivating factor. That's my time to retire when it starts falling out. Well, yeah, when it starts falling out or when you get that like super, you know, high and tight or whatever. I'm just, know. I'm curious what I'm going to get issued. I always joke around and say the Academy issues you something you care about. You know, it's boots, grass. walking on the grass, yeah. right? Haircuts. Yeah. So... I don't know if it's based off a of GPA or what, but I guess I'll find out. Oh, if you had a choice, what would you take? Oh, grass. Yeah, it's such, a, <laughs> such an inconvenience to walk around that thing. So right on. post up right outside the company and battalion and get them. Fortunately for a fifth group, it's a parking lot, so it's not really much grass around there. Maybe you'll get, uh, maybe they'll, they'll transfer you with one of the other groups. So you'll have like a, a good operational challenge with your, uh, your core, uh, core sticking point. And when you drink the Kool-Aid at the Legion, you don't leave the Legion. So. Just make sure you spike the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Take care and, and uh, stay cool. This has been The Indigenous Approach. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on social media. And if you have suggestions for topics or guests, send us a message. Thank you for listening.